I wanted to mention something which I had uh, spoken about last week, but I did not include a certain concept, which was my intent then. I just want to mention it, which is very important. And I had mentioned last week that the, the natural property of the Jewish people when they are righteous is called Tefelis and Oiz, beauty and might. I spoke about that. And I mentioned also that when we are not Zocher, when we are not, we don't merit, obviously, because we sin in the Galut and so on, exile, right? That we lose the Tefelis and Oiz. We lose the beauty and the might. And I mentioned what the beauty is. The beauty is chokhmah, wisdom. And I mentioned what might is, is strength and success. So we lose that. And then I went into an example. I used Monmouth College as an example. Uh, you know, uh, nobody universities. Looks magnificent. And meanwhile, you look at certain shoes and you wonder... You know, one of them going to tear it down and build something else. Ah, oh, you see. And we say, Admosai Utschomashvi, in Tachman, every day. And for how long will your might, Utschomashvi, be in captivity? Means they take it. This is Altcho, and your beauty, right? Yad in the hands of the enemy, you see. How long would that be? Which means that they have usurped, which is a fancy word for stolen, right? And they have taken our beauty and our might success. Uh, what is interesting, I want to point this out, I really wanted to do it last week, is this. What is the beauty of America, really? New York. Right? Uh, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying deal. But New York, right? The beauty of America is New York. It always was, right? That's the beauty of America. Do you see what's happening to New York lately? It's no longer beautiful. It's a shamble, right? And nobody understands what's going on. Because most all these people basically, Hoko, right? and uh, Eric Adams, they're incompetent, obviously. They don't know how to solve this problem, the elementary problem of safety. Incredible. And then, of course, once you don't feel safe in a city, you flee. And that's exactly what's happening. Uh, and not only that, all the shops are closing, right? Stores are closing, shops are closing, restaurants are closing, and everybody's moving out. I shouldn't say everybody, but wait a minute. So you have to ask yourself, wait a minute. This can't be because the Goyim have taken the Tferis and Oiz. What's happening? Right? Because New York, New York and the whole eastern part, you know, and so many different cities in the United States, Seattle and Mississippi, right? Argonne, uh, what do you call it? Um, all of them... They're, they're, in many ways, they're beautiful cities. Yet they're all being destroyed. I mean, San Francisco, people say, used to be one of the most beautiful cities in the United States. 
And now it's fundamentally a glorified toilet. I hate to use that expression because it's quite gross. That's what it is. How is that possible? How stupid can people be that they allow their residents, which had such beauty, right, success and beauty, to deteriorate so rapidly? I mean, we're looking at two years. We're not looking at a century of abuse. And the answer is, you know, because the beauty and the might of a sub is being restored to the Jews. That's why. That's it. That's the first noise. Coming back to the Jews. Now, that's why you find, right, that these uh, first noise, beauty and might, right, is being taken away from America and is being given to Jews, Israel. That's why Israel is a startup nation. Why do you think? You think it's because Jews are so bright? And the answer, of course, they are bright. But you need more than being bright. You need the will of God. God says, I want to make you successful. I want to give you tremendous chokhmah, wisdom. That's exactly what Israel has. They are the leaders in many, many areas of the world. In fact, it's safe to say now that Israel is not a third world country, although it acts like that. It's not a second world country. It's a first world country. I mean, they are leaders in cybersecurity, computers, water conservation, agriculture. I mean, it's incredible what they're leaders in. You know, their high-tech industry is tremendous. So, you know, that's why it's astonishing that they are so poorly run. That's because of the air of love. Without getting into that, you see. So what we see is what's called a reversal. You know, it's going from Esau, right, to the Jews. That's the amazing thing, because we are getting back out first in Oedis. That's what's happening. Obviously, the very good sign of that is this only happens right before Mashiach. So that's a real sign that things are beginning to flip, you see. Because that can only happen right before Mashiach comes. Very interesting idea. And that also means a lot of other ideas that I want to go into. Um, before I continue, however, so that I wanted to say last week, I just wanted to say that this year should be a minute for the health and success of the families of Regina Basiose for Uvein and Yeshaya Ben Yisrael. Go find Elias Neshama of these people. Anyway, and Schosted Merit. In any case, that's a very important idea, that in the end of time, things will switch over to the Jewish people. And ultimately, I mentioned last week, the first and only beauty and might of the whole world will go to the Jewish people all of it, you see, and that is the messianic era, where it says, always run to see a king of the nations of the world. Why? Because this is a drop in the bucket of the glory and honor that will be given to the Mashiach, the Jewish people. So it says, if you want to, so the Talmud encourages you, run to look at the, the uh, entourage of a president. It's amazing when you look at these guys, you know. You realize that these people are really nothing. 
but the office of the presidency carries with it an unbelievable dignity and strength and a display of power, you see. And all of that will go over to the Mashiach and the Jews at that time, like I said, all the first and all is restored to the Jews and they are therefore the greatest nation on earth. Well, of course, obviously, we all tremendously look forward to that. So, we now understand something very important, right? That we get back what we lost. And by the way, that's part of the meaning of Galut. Galut is when you cannot be what you really are. You see, because we are in exile. We have lost a great deal of our abilities. And that's why it's very hard to become spiritual today. Because we, in many ways, we don't have access to that. And so on. In any case, mm. now, but how does it in many ways end? And I want to talk about something which I believe most people never heard of, how it really in the end all ends. And I will show you from the Chumash and from rabbis, the Chazal, the sayings and so on, how they allude to this. Although it's interesting, they don't they openly, whatever reason, but they clearly allude to this, you see. And this is ultimately what will happen, you see. There, we say in Davening by Oz Yoshir, at the end of Oz Yoshir, in the Shachar's prayers, the Olu Moishim and their saviors will ascend on the Mount of Zion, the Hatzion, do what? Nishpoit is har Esau, judge Esau. Well, that's obviously the end of time. Who are these people? Because it doesn't say the Allah Moshiach, singular. It says the Olu Moshiim, and the saviors will arise on the Mount of Zion. Who are they? Well, there's a lot to talk about that, but basically in a very simple way, plural. One is Mashiach bin Yosef, and the other is Mashiach bin David. They will arise at the Mount of Zion. You see? To do what? They will judge the mountain of Esau. They will judge Esau. See? That's what it says. Now that, in many ways, alludes to a very important idea. What happens on Hartzion? Because it says, and they will ascend the mountain of Zion. Really? What happens on the mountain of Zion that they ascend to judge the mountain of Esau? And, of course, that's the end. Where they will judge Esau for what he has done for thousands of years of butchering the Jewish people. And so on, you know. Um, what will happen, you see? Or what is on the mountain of Zion? And the answer is, well, on the mountain of Zion is the third base on That's what Hatzion really is. You know, we lack it today, but really, it's a third base on So when the third base of and if you recall, I said that the Gemara says, the Gemara Yushami, 
Shani, that the Gemara brings proof that the third temple will be built before Mashiach ben David. Not after. That's most people make that mistake. They think Mashiach ben David will come and he'll build the Beit HaMikdash. No. The Beit HaMikdash, the third one, will be built before ben David comes. That must mean that it's built in the time of Mashiach ben Yosef. Isn't that amazing? So before the total redemption, which happens by Ben David, the Beit HaMikdash will be built. I spoke a lot about that, and I believe that is the way that God will uh, change the consciousness of the entire planet. Imagine waking up one morning, and all of a sudden it says, right, hey, there's a building where the mosque used to be, and guess what? It's the Beit HaMikdash in its full glory because God will build it. He will bring it down there, as I once mentioned, which is really a very important idea because I mentioned what that is. I told you that the third Beit HaMikdash is really the Beit HaMikdash in heaven because we know that Jerusalem has a parallel in heaven called Yerushalayim, so Milo. The Beit HaMikdash has the same thing. It has a parallel in heaven. What's the difference between that and this other than location? Because the Beit HaMikdash here, what is the essential concept of a Beit HaMikdash? And the answer is, it's a residence of God. Shekhinah. That's the residence of the Divine Presence. It's really what it is. However you want to understand that. Um, but it is a certain degree of presence, of the divine presence. Highly limited. But the Beit HaMikdash, the Maira, in heaven, which is called the Ali Nisira, has a level of divine presence which is, which is beyond comprehension. It is beyond comprehension, the level. So, so what the Beit HaMikdash, the Maira, really is, it is the upper Beit HaMikdash will descend and become physical and come down. And that is the beginning of a merger between the spiritual dimensions and the physical world. That's very, very important. Because ultimately speaking, what God wants to do, and I said this before, he wants to spiritualize the physical universe. Right. To change it. Right now we're all physical. Right. But God will change it and it will take several thousand years. How long it take? But it doesn't make a difference. We're all waiting for the messianic era once that starts. But the beginning of the spiritualization of a physical world is that third Beit HaMikdash because that's the Beit HaMikdash Lamaila, the Beit HaMikdash above right that descends and becomes part of our physical world but the amazing thing is that even though that's true becomes part of the part of the physical world it will maintain the same degree of divine presence that it has up there, 
Can you imagine a physical base of which used to be the upper one that has now become physical? And it's magnificent to behold. You see, the base of Mikdash of Herod, because he rebuilt the base of Mikdash and so on, was the most magnificent temple in the entire world. It was one of the wonders of the world and so on. That's what the Romans destroyed. Right? So could you imagine that base of Mikdash, number one, physical? But the real thing is, wait a minute, the level of Shekhinah, of divine presence, of that spiritual base amygdala which became physical, is the same level that it was when before descended. Unbelievable. We don't, we don't even know what that is. That's the level of divine presence among the Malachim, among the angels. That's really what it is, up there. And that will descend, right? What is that called? That is called the messianic light. Right. That's what it means when it says, Kimola or Deo, and the world will be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters covers the seabed. Can you imagine how much water there is on the oceans, in the rivers, and the lakes, and so on? Right? That amount of water we can equate with the level of, or the degree of, divine presence. You have any idea what that is? Beyond belief. It's billions and trillions of times more, right, than the base amygdala, the second, first and the second base amygdala. That is what's going to be on the third base amygdala. And it's the beginning of the spiritualization of the physical universe. And that's how it's slowly. So first you have the base of Gush, right, that begins. And then you have the Sheikh Ben Yosef, who himself becomes more and more spiritual. And then all the Jews themselves become more spiritual. Yes, all of you will change. But not only change physically, you'll really change conscious-wise. You'll have an entirely different understanding, consciousness of who you are and what the world is. That is the Messianic era. That is what's on Hartzion. That is the Nikdash. You see? So imagine the Meshichan, right? Sheikh Ben Yosef and Sheikh Ben David, when they're finally both together, they are going to judge the Mount of Esau. Wow. You see? And that's why it says, famous passage, from many of the... Uh, Oren, you know, uh, the beam of the Oren and so on, and Shul, or from Zion will come forth the Torah, with Vahashem and Yushalayim, in the word of God, from Jerusalem. <clears throat> What's Mitzioin? will come forth Torah. What Torah? What Zion? That is the Beit HaMikdash on Mount Zion, Right? That will come forth, right? That Torah is the Torah of the Mashiach. Yeah, that's what Kinnitin takes the Torah really is. And the word of God, the Dvar Hashem, from Jerusalem. Because that will be prophecy, right? The word of God is prophecy. 
and that will come forth from Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem and Mount Zion, which is the Beit HaMikdash, will be the center of the entire planet. You see, like it says, and God says, and my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. Who's my house? The Beit HaMikdash. So that Beit HaMikdash isn't just another building. It is central to the experience of the messianic process. It is central. And that's why it has to take place before the end. Before Mashiach ben David. It has to come down. Because that's what kicks off consciousness. You see. So, and then you're going to have to judge the mountain of Esau. You see. It's a very important concept. It tells you what's going to happen. You see? Now, the question that uh, we really have to ask is something else, which is really very interesting, you see. And that is, wait a minute. What is the messianic light's power? That's number one. And why is it that that has to happen to judge the mountain of Esau. Nishbut's eyes, though. Why that? Why can't they judge the mountain of Esau before that? You see? Why does it have to be Moshi and Behad and the two messiahs? That's when they will judge, right? The mountain of Esau and so on, you know? <clears throat> and the answer to that is a very important concept. We know that there are different levels of Tum'ah, or defilement, emanation, or evil, or darkness. They all basically come to mean the same thing. They are environments which is devoid of the belief of God. That's what they are. In any case, you see. So, there are 49 levels of Tum'ah. Memteshan Tumah. Famous. Because that was the level that the Jews had reached in uh, Egypt. They were Memteshan Tumah. As I'll say this, quite known. I had mentioned that we are now in the 49th level of Tumah. You see. But there is a level of Tumah that's greater. There's a level of ignorance and darkness. And as we will see, completely ignore God. That is worse. And that is the root of evil. That's called the Zoyamal. The Satan has a certain ability to project an environment. You see, a consciousness, which he does. And that's called the root, is called the Zoyamal. That Zoyamal is called defilement, damnation, but what it really is, is he is a being, the Satan is a being, right, that is into complete destruction. He kills, he's the one that takes lives, everything. He decomposes matter. He's responsible for the law of entropy, many, many different things. And the way he does it is with his power of evil or destruction and so on. That's called Zoyama. So the interesting thing about it is this. Even if you take out the 49 levels of Tumah, 
right? How do you get rid of his Zoyama? Because he's the root of all evil. He's the root of all darkness and ignorance. You see? How do you get rid of this guy? And how do you get rid of his Zoyama? Because the Zoyama or his uh, his um, projection of this tremendous amount of darkness and evil and so on is in each of our bodies. That's why we die. Why do you think we decompose? Why do we age? Why do we get sick? What is it that destroys everything? And the answer is, he's He is invested in the physical world. And Adam Mauritian, after the sin, fell into the physical world. Because Adam Mauritian was spiritual, you see. And he was, he was, although he engaged in physical things, he himself wasn't really physical, you see. But when he sinned, he became thoroughly physical. And therefore, he entered the world of the Zayama. Whereas he entered the, he became subject to the influence of the Sati. And we don't even know how, we don't experience it. Although I once mentioned there are physical indicators, for instance, you know, like why, why, what happens when a person dies? Why don't the cells just keep reproducing? They do it 49 times, you know? Why don't they just keep reproducing? Interesting question. Why do they stop? And they do stop. That's why we die. Because our cells stop. And obviously they wear out. There's nothing to replace. You're dead. That's what death is. I mean, physically, anyway. So why doesn't we produce? And the answer is that biologists have discovered a group of tissues, of cells, called telomeres. A telomere is like a, it's like a shoelace with a cap at the end. The telomere prevents the chromosome in the cell from unraveling. The problem is every time that cell reproduces, it shortens by one telomere. So after 49 times of reproducing, no more telomeres. So the chromosome unravels. Isn't that interesting? Well, guess what? If your chromosomes unravel because nothing binding them, you're dead. Exactly what happens. Everybody has telomeres, and it all stops after reproducing, I think, 49 times, which is an amazing number, because that's exactly how much the levels there are. But this is what happens. You see? It's interesting, explaining death. So if you could lengthen the, length the life of a telomere where they would not cease to be, you'd live forever. Because your cells would keep reproducing. So the only way a guy would die to an accident, obviously. But he would not die a natural death because he's always reproducing. You see, and that's what happens. Amazing, a baby's born, right? And on the day he's born, he's always dying. The cells are dying because they reproduce. Every time they reproduce, telomere goes down. The, the great thing about a baby is he's always reproducing, right? And he does that till about 22 years old. After 22 years old, your body begins to uh, diminish its ability to reproduce. So the cells don't reproduce as much and so on. 
And then from 22 years and on, it's all downhill. Is that why we're going to be 20 years old? Yes. Like, that's the ideal. I'm sure you all have pictures of what you look like at 22 years old. Uh, right? And uh, if you don't, just ask your husband for the picture. You know, because uh, you know, we all look great at 22. He had full strength, right? We were jumping with energy, youth, energy, vitality, wow. Now you look at yourself in the mirror and can't believe what you see, right? Why? Because telomeres disappearing, right? And so on. Anyway, uh, so a telomere is a physical analog of Zayama. What it is. So before the Zayama came into, or before Adam fell into the physical universe and became physical, right? There were no telomeres. Or maybe there was. We don't know how it operated, but there was no death. Remember? God said on the day you eat, you'll die. That means on that day, you're going to get telomeres that's going to shorten. And it's going to be over and finished. You see? So it's very interesting. You can actually see the physical manifestation, the Zermoth. So there are 49 levels of tumor, means there are 49 like a wheel in the middle of the Zayamah, the incredible root force of the Sutton that gives rise to 49 spokes, like a wheel, you see. <clears throat> so the problem is, okay, we can get rid of the levels of tumor, which is what they did in Egypt. That's why they have 49 days. Every day they counted. Right? And they were able to get rid of one level of, of, of uh, the spokes until they got to the 50th day. What was the left? The Zoyama itself. The root of everything. Right? Uh, and what they had done, the Jews at that time, in Egypt, I mentioned, they gave a whole bunch of film on that, is that they had extracted the Zoyama from the physical body. They actually did it because of whatever they did in Egypt. So it comes out that the suffering was external to the human body. Never happened before. They replicated the way they were at the time of other Mauritian before the sin. Mar says that, that the Jews were equal to other Mauritian before the sin. No death. Whatever, right? So the suffering was going crazy to re-enter the physical world, which he did because of the sin of the golden calf. So the sin of the golden calf allowed the Sultan to re-enter with his Zoyamah into the physical universe, you see. So that's what happened, okay? But in the end, if, if the Sultan at the time of the giving of the Torah would have been, right, uh, how would God have destroyed that Zayama? And the answer is the Torah. That's the power of the Torah. It is the Torah, the Luchas Rishonis. What was that? The Luchas Rishonis is the Messianic light. The first tablets is the Messianic light. So that is the root of the entire Torah. 
It's the equivalent, so to speak, of the Zoyama by the Satan. You have root against root. You see, it's literally the bottom, the ultimate cause. So had the Jews not sinned at the golden calf, right, then the Luchas the power of that Torah, right, that consciousness would have destroyed the Zoyamal. Guess what? You kill the Satan. So you need the messianic light, to think about it, right, to destroy the Zoyamal. That's what we see. So that's why. Why do they judge Esau? Because you need Hatzion. You need the messianic light of the Bishamigdash on the mountain of Zion. Hatzion. Then they could judge Esau. The Zoyamah, because the angel of Esau, the Satan, his power is that Zoyamah, you see. So you need one to destroy the other. It's a very important idea that it takes a Mashiach to kill the Satan. You can't do it any other way. There's no way to remove that Zoyamah, because you need the root of the Torah, or the Torah in its greatest form of consciousness, you see in its greatest form of revelation, to be able to shove out the Zoyama, which is the root of evil, the power source of the Satan. So now I'm saying why it has to be Hatzion, right? Makes sense. Now it doesn't say openly this, which is always interesting, but it, you see how you derive this. It's a root too, because what do you mean? They will ascend the Mount of Zion to judge Esau, we need Mount of Zion. We see. Mount of Zion, the Beisane Gush, with the Messianic light, then to judge Esau, which is to wipe out the Sultan and his Zayama, which is exactly what's going to happen, that the Sultan will die. The Zayama, because of the Messianic light. But now we understand why we need the uh, Beisane Gush. Without that, you can destroy 49 levels. You can't get to the root. Very interesting. You know where you really see that also, which is really fascinating? It says, when Yaakov Avino fell asleep, remember he left Khan, he got the blessings of Isaac, Yitzchak? He left Khan, right? And on the way, he went to sleep. Where? On Hatzion. On Hamaria, Mount Moriah, which is Hatzion. Remember, and he had the dream of the ladder, famous, right? Famous dream. He saw angels going up and angels going down. Now, obviously, a great deal of mystical ideas in that. Um, but it says that he saw the angels, each, the angels that represent the enemies of the Jews, the malachim of the nations that want to destroy the Jews. Because each nation has an angel that represents it in the heavenly tribunal that tries to protect it. We encounter the, the we know the Malach of Esau is itself, himself. Then you have the Malach of Egypt, the Malach of Yishmoel. They all have angels that represent them, plead for them, you know, against the judgment, you see. Ah, so it says that he saw the angels of these nations going up. But then it says that he dreamt and he would see each nation 
that represents, or each angel of each nation that represents that nation, going up, and guess what? They were coming down, which means they were being destroyed. So that was great. But then it says, he saw the angel of Esau. Who's that? Something. He's going up and up and up, and he didn't come down. So Yaakov Avinu says to the version of him, they said, we're finished. Yeah, bring this guy down. You see, the power of the Zoyamah, the root of evil, it's beyond measure. It's almost infinite. And he was very, very concerned. Now, what that really means, like I said last week, that the sins of the Jews, according to the measure of God, is so great that we will keep empowering the Sutton, who knows how high. So Yaakov Avinu did not see the Sutton's Malach, or rather Esau's Malach, coming down. So he asked God, he said, does that mean we're finished? But God said, no, don't worry. I will bring him down. I mean that even though they are not worthy, they don't have enough koyach, energy, nuclear power, right, to bring this guy down, I will bring him down. But that's what God swore to Yaakov. Now that has to be understood. You see? What do you mean he was up there and God says, I will bring him down? What does that mean, I will bring him down? Because it takes the messianic light, which is the consciousness of God, the third base amygdala, that will destroy the Sultan. I, my messianic light, consciousness of the third base amygdala, will destroy him. That's what the illusion is. It makes sense. But God means I will bring him down. It is my Torah, my messianic light. That will bring him down. Because the only thing that can bring down the root of all evil is the root of all good. The root of all holiness. You see? And that's why it makes sense that Yaakov Afina did not see him coming down. Only when you think about that. The power. And that, by the way, is indicative, which I mentioned last week, of what that's what Maranado really is. You know? When people, the DOJ, Department of Justice, or should I say the Department of Injustice, right? or the FBI, right? Federal Bureau of Criminality, whatever, right? When they can go into the house of a president of the United States, rifle to his drawers, including his wife's undergarments, which last week. That is, you know what a bazillion humiliation that is? But the interesting thing is this why Americans are fools. Mar-a-Lago is not just a disgrace of Trump or his wife. It's a disgrace of the presidency. No matter what you held from Trump, he still was president. He still had the dignity of office. So by humiliating him, right, you've stated this is what I think of the presidency. You see? But how do you do that? It's your own, you know, you are following up your own waters. 
How do you do this kind of stuff? You know what I'm saying? Where's the dignity? Because he was president. And not only that, you know, and, and so on, you know? Because that's what Americans are. I, I hate to say that, you know? But it's really very bothersome, you know? They don't realize that the ultimate humiliation of America, not just of Trump, you see, but of course, they don't even think this way. They're so busy trying to destroy this man, the Democratic Party, and so on, you see. But anyway, this then is what Mar-a-Lago is, is the ultimate display of the Malach of Esau, Sutton, going up, 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 and not coming down. That they can take a president of the United States and wash the floor with him, use him as a mop. You see, it's interesting. Trump has a lot of hair, and he's using his hair as a mop. Uh, you know, that's what they did. Use him as a mop. Mata, as they say in Yiddish. That's what Mar-a-Lago is. Mar-a-Lago really is the ultimate display of the victory of the Zoyamo. All the way to the nth degree. That's what they did. You can't get worse than that in terms of the humiliation of the United States itself, you see. Anyway, that's what they did. But that, I mentioned last week, is the, really the beginning of the end. Because God always raises the enemy so it thinks it's invincible. And then when he destroys it, demonstrates, the incredible power of God, right? So he's not gonna, he, God is not going to destroy a weakling. Big deal. So he makes them the greatest nation on earth, the most powerful, and then he'll wipe them out. But that's an open display of what's called Yad Ramah, that God says. We left Egypt in the middle of the day, not at night, but we snuck out. In the middle of the day, the Yad Ramah was an uplifted hand in your faith, we're going out. That's what God does. That demonstrates the absolute supremacy of God. Very important concept. But this is a concept, as I said, of the ladder. That's why it's so high. You know, look at coming down. You see, because the zayama is almost impossible to get rid of. So it needs God, the messianic light. The third base amygdash to wipe them out. Notice how all these rabbis, Azal, illustrate this concept and so on. Of how the Zoyama will ultimately be destroyed. You see. And we know that from you, because God says, on that day, and God will circumcise your heart if he will remove the blockage. You see. And truly, that's what circumcision really is. The removal of blockage. And that's the destruction of the Zoyama, you see. And consciousness will change. It will completely change. That's a very important idea. That you need, you need the Nun Shari Bina, the 50 gates of wisdom, or the Nun Shari Kedusha, the 50 gates of holiness counteract the 50th gate of Ramah. So we're no longer dealing with how you get rid of the 49 levels. No. 
You need the 50th level of holiness to destroy the 50th level of Zayama. That's really what it is. See? So it's 50 against 50. And the Zayama, of course, will be destroyed. It's a very important concept, you see. <clears throat> anyway, we now also understand another Pasuk and Torah, all because we understand how the Zayama will be destroyed. You go to test at the end of the Torah, and Moshe Rabbeinu blesses all the nations, right? So he talks about Yosef, and he has said the following, the Choshoroi, the firstborn of his ox. Yosef is described as an ox. The firstborn of his ox, Choshoroi, beauteous is, you see, the kanya of the aim and the horns of this ox is not the horns of an ox. It is the horns of the re'aim, which is a mystical animal, you see. And then it says, Ubehemd, and with these horns, this ox is going to gore the nation. That's very interesting. What's he talking about? You know, the beauty of this ox. Its horns are magnificent. And with these horns, he's going to gore the nation. Well, B'choshorah, who's the firstborn of the tribe of Yosef? Jeff and Yosef. And his horns, they're not horns, right? It's a metaphor. What emanates from a head? Chokhmah, wisdom. So what Moshe Rabbein is saying is that the wisdom that emanates from the head of the Mashiach and Yosef is unbelievably magnificent. Yes. Right? And what's he going to do with those horns? What is the Mashiach when Yosef going to do with those horns, with that unbelievable wisdom? Right? He's going to go to the nation. You see? But wait a minute. Mashiach when Yosef, his wisdom, what wisdom is that? That is the Messianic life. Isn't it? So if he's going to go to the nation, he's going to go to them with the Messianic life. But wait a minute. What does it mean to go to the nation? That's the Zayama. He's going to destroy the Zayama, the Sutton. So what do we see? That he's going to destroy the Zayama of the Sutton. That's, he will go to the nation. How? By the wisdom that emanates from his head. Right? What wisdom is that? The Messianic light. So there you are. Again, Messianic light is the 50th gate of wisdom, holiness, and that is the light that will destroy the Zoyama. There you are. It's almost like the person is screaming at you and saying, what's he going to do with this energy, this unbelievable wisdom, beauty of this wisdom first? What's he going to do with that? He's going to have oh, might. What is that might? He's going to go to the nation. But what is, is gore and why would you need the energy of his head? The messianic life to go to the nation. You see? Because the nations have the Zoyama. Can't get rid of the Zoyama. The only thing that will destroy the Zoyama is the messianic life. You see? Root against root. That's what God says. Don't worry, I will bring him down. Not you or the Jewish people. I will bring him down. How? By the light of the third base of the that all connects. Isn't that interesting? All the dots connect, never really spelling out what is the weapon of choice. 
which is the 50th level of wisdom. Isn't that amazing? I just find that to be amazing. How the Torah can talk on and on and hide what it's really saying. You see? But that's obviously what it is. You know, the Zoyama, you need, you need the level, the 50th level, the 50th gate of holiness, wisdom, fairness, beauty, always might. That's what will destroy the Sutton. Very, very important concept, you see. <clears throat> but it's not an easy business. I want to tell you something now. And everybody has to think about this. Moshe Rabbeinu made a mistake I don't say this Torah says this because God sent Moshe Rabbeinu to bring out the Jews from Egypt meanwhile Moshe Rabbeinu comes to Egypt and Pirate says they're lazy not sending them out who are you kidding he defied Moshe didn't he but not only defied Moshe defied God because God said Take, let the Jews go out. So here's Paroi, right, laughing at God. That's the ultimate defiance of God. And this happened after Moshe Rabbeinu came, not before, right? The so Moshe Rabbeinu did not understand what's going on here. I don't understand. God sent me, not somebody else. He sent me by the burning bush. Take the Jews out. Now how in the world does God allow this person to defy him so brazenly, so openly? Incredible. So Moshe Rabbeinu did not understand and he ran back to God the end of Pashat Shemais and he said, Loma Hare Loma there. Why have you done evil to this people and you have not sent them out? You see, so Moshe Rabbeinu is judging God. And he's saying to God, what you do this for? Not only is he judging God, he's condemning God. He's saying you did an evil. You know, it's one thing if Moshe Rabbeinu would have said, what you do this for? I don't understand the reasoning. How in the world can the Messiah come and it got worse? Right? But the problem is Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say that. He said, why have you done evil to this nation? which in his estimation, he did an evil to the Jewish people. What did God say? No, you can't be saying this. You are questioning my attributes. Called Mahara after Midoisai. You are questioning who I am and what I do. And you are condemning me that I do evil. No, no, this is no good. You will be punished. And God actually says, you know, I used to have a guy, Abraham Avinu, he never questioned me. He was never Mahara after my Nibis. He didn't think about my attributes, my characteristics, and say, how could you be doing this? What's wrong with you? You're doing evil. Imagine talking to God and saying, why have you done evil? Excuse me. So God says, you know, I miss Abraham Avinu. He never used to question me. Even when I told him to slaughter his son. And you, okay, I understand you're upset, you know, but you're already condemning me. You can't do this. So God punished him. He said, now you will see what I will do to Paroi. 
the Rashi brings down, that was an implication. Now you will see what I will do to Parai, but you will not see what I do to the 31 nations of Israel, and you will not enter the land of Israel. That was the decree. That's when it started, right? Because if you condemn me, if you don't have the trust in who I am, right? Even though obviously, I mean, the observation is it got much worse, much worse, right? You can't do that. You cannot be Mahara after the meanest of the Bhagavad No matter how bad it looks, right? No matter how contradictory it looks, can't do that. And Moshe Rabbeinu certainly should have known, you know. And of course we could say, well, he was so upset because now it got much worse for the Jews, which it did for months. It's really bad news, terrible news. And I explained why that happened. They had to satisfy justice because they didn't deserve the messianic approach. They didn't deserve it. God said, and the Sultan was screaming his head off, you can't bring the Mashiach. I deserve it. And God said, you're right, and I have to satisfy justice and making them suffer much more. That's why he did it. So in the end, it's what enabled the redemption. Without that suffering that Moshe being was sort of caused, they could not get out of Egypt. Because justice said you can't do this. And God always basically adheres to justice. Moshe Rabbeinu did not realize that, you see. And he judged God and he condemned God. And he was punished. And he was not allowed to go into Eretz world. Can you believe this? Because if you judge me and you find me wanting, you do not deserve to be a leader of the Jews. Because the leader of the Jews must accept judgment of God with 100% totality, certainty. And unfortunately, Moshe Rabbeinu learned that the hard way. And the reason for that, because, it, I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu, you think about it, I mean, he's only human, but obviously much more is expected from him than from other people, you see. And he was, like I say, he was punished because he questioned the attribute of God. <clears throat> we live in a terrible time. We live in a time when it completely contradicts what God said what happened to the Jews. Right? There's no spirituality, basically. It's all superficial. If you think we're spiritual, we're a million miles ahead of spirituality. Everything is physical, right? You know, of course I want to have uh, a great circus. I'm heading off to Acapulco to have circus, right? I can have the beach, right? Of course I can go to the beach because it's have they still kosher hot dogs on the beach. What's the problem here, right? Are we really spiritual? We are, but it's as I say, and you just it's, it's never. Never, 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 same thing, right? You know, this is our spirituality, you know? Yeah, of course you can enjoy a great pace with mats and all that, right? But it's going to be in Venice. Where Don Calamari, you can go all around, have a great time in Italy and so on, you know? This is the whole concept of spirituality, right? It's all about travel, having a great time, right? Best cuisines. Five-star cuisine, 
all about that, right? God forbid you'd have a, a, a hotel without a five-star menu, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, how could you celebrate Pesach? Right? You know, you feel sorry for all those Jews that have to stay home never and get to plain matzibol soup, whatever they get. So, anyway, so our spirituality is, is the lowest one. You don't be like that. We think this is fabulous. Wow. The guy's going to celebrate Pesach. Yeah, because he's going to Dubrovnik. Well, why not? I mean, you know, down by the Baltic. So, what? What? A Pesach is that? You know, and whatever. I'm not even talking about other kinds of Pesach when a guy goes to shows, you know, uh, hits and shows and dancing girls or whatever else they got going on there. I'm not even going into that type of Pesach, right? But believe me, it happens and so on, right? So not only have we descended unbelievable depths of, of inferiority in terms of spirituality, Okay, but that's what we do. Um, but it's much worse than that. I want to tell you something. We are now, I, my feeling is, uh, it's surprising, we are not in the 49th level of Tumor. We are in the Zoyama itself. I'll tell you why. You know, wow. That means we have hit the rock bottom. You don't go lower than that. That's it. You ain't lower. There's nothing lower. It's either the Zayama, the Sultan, purely satanic, and so on. Why? Because America has reached a new low, and since America is the beacon of the world, the world is going to reach this low. You see? What does that mean? So now everybody's into denying God. God? Forget about God. Right? It's a tremendous movement against religion. You know? Ah. Uh, I'm not even going to anti-Semitism, but there's also anti-Catholicism. You see? America, there's a great deal of people against religion in general in America. You see? There's a movement. That's why there's such a rise of denial of God. You see? But besides the denial of God, right, there's a defiance of God. That's the next Madrega. People defy. Defiance of God has now become a way of life, right? Especially in the matters of sexual perversion. Today, if you know, if you don't have a partner, uh, same gender partner, something wrong with you, right? I mean, you know, it, today it, it, it's preferable to have a same gender partner. Meaning you don't have it. That's why. It, America has become, and it's not just America. I mean, you know, unfortunately, Israel is trying to run after America and so on, you know, with this gay pride. What do you mean, gay pride? Pride. Got to be happy. Got to be proud to be this, right? There's all kinds of, you know, sexual promiscuity. You know, it's, I mean, I, I don't see any of this stuff, but it, it, people tell me it's all over the television, all over the Internet. It's just all over, all of this, you see? So what is, I always find interesting, you know, uh, you know, so I once said that the reason why the marble was sealed to destroy the world is because if a guy would marry a guy, right, he'd have to write a ksuba. Imagine, imagine going to a wedding 
some guy's marrying another guy, and they call up some rough to read the ksuba. Right? You'd, you'd plot. You'd faint. Right? You'd call up the rabbi to read the ksuba. Right? Don't you call up a rabbi to read the ksuba or whatever, right? Excuse me, ksuba for what? Some guy's marrying another guy. All the measures says, if a guy would marry his animal, his pet. He loves his pet. Right? He wants to marry his pet. Or bestiality, bestiality, whatever, right? He's on, you know. When we look at that, we can't believe this took place. But it is taking place now. Now. But there's something else that's taking place. And my feeling is this is the Zoyama. The other two are the Memtes. 49th level of Uma. Terrible darkness and evil and defilement and contamination and immorality and so on, you know. But there's something worse. And I, my feeling is that this is the Zoyama. But the bad news is that we're in the Zoyama. We hit rock bottom. The good news is that when you get to the Zoyama, that's when God will unleash the gate of holiness. Because that's the only thing that will bring down the Zoyama. There is nothing else, you know, in the uh, repertoire of God. He's got to bring the base on the dust and the whole messianic process. I mean, it's unbelievable. What is that indicated to me? I will tell you. You know, until now, they deny God. And then they defy God. Right? And now everybody's into dismissing creation. Where guy says, I'm not a guy. I'm a girl. What's your problem? You can't call me. E. You got to ask me my pronoun. And if you don't ask me, you're fired. You don't realize what's going on in corporate America. If you say the wrong word, if you call someone by the wrong pronoun, you're fired. You know what that is? Excuse me for what? I read there was a story where a teacher was reading the names of the students to make sure that they're present. They got to one student, called out her name, and she said, meow. So she held, she was a chat. You know? So he ignored the meow. Right? Right? And what is this? Uh, you know, and he, and he mentioned her name as present. He was fired. Or he suspended. Why? Because she's a cat. How dare you refer to her as a girl or as a human? Are you crazy? Is that where we've come? Yes. And the guy was fired or he's suspended or whatever it is. You think, he doesn't believe what just happened to him. And this is happening all over America. If you say the wrong words, you're out. You say the wrong pronoun, you're out. You may not see it as much, because you live in a Jewish community, a religious community, you don't see this insanity as blatant, right, as what you see now. But what does that mean? What do you mean? A guy says, I'm not a guy, I'm a girl. I mentioned, you know, I have, I have a student who was in Manhattan. They had to use the restroom, right? They went to the restroom, and he's passing the woman's bathroom, right? And there's a sign. And the sign says, you know, if you feel that you want to express 
your feelings of femininity and so on, you know, he's talking, uh, he's talking to men, by the way, then please feel free to enter a woman's bathroom and do what you want to do. You know, on the contrary, feel free to express <coughs> and express your humanity, right? Can you imagine reading this, right? In words, I'm just waiting for the day, right, that some guy's going to walk into a woman's mixer. I am, uh, yeah, right? And you, see, and you can't throw them out. It's, it's called discrimination. And that can get you in a lot of problems. With the board of the mixer, will fire you or whatever. Right? And so on. You don't realize that's the, that's the same logical idea, right? And so on, you know? I, I, you can't believe what you read. I, I, it's embarrassing even to, to talk about that, but how else am I going to indicate to you how the depth of the perversions going on? Uh, you know, some guy walked into a woman's bathroom, a uh, shower room. He sits down. So they were, and they're all there taking shower there, you know. So they looked at the guy, excuse me, like, you know, the way to I'm a woman. I have a right to be here. So there was some 85-year-old woman that wants to take a shower and says, I'm not doing this in front of you. You know, I... To believe this? And you couldn't kick the guy out? It's a right to be there. Where have we come? This is the Zoyamar. Because you're dismissing creation. Not that you're denying God, right, and you're defying his will. You're dismissing the whole concept. Excuse me, you're a man. There's a biology attached to that. You know, you're a woman. There's a biology attached to that. What in the world are you talking about, right? So what they have done is they have said there is no biology. It's all transferable. It's all removable or attachable, depending on what you want to do, right? <clears throat> It's, it's beyond belief. They have dismissed creation, which is a biological fact, you know. And now that you, you are held accountable and you can get fired or whatever, whatever else they, they're cooking up there, you get sued or whatever, you know. you know. And now you fill out an application. It says, what pronoun do you want to be referred to as? You know, what do you mean, what pronoun? What is that supposed to mean? That's the dilemma. That's what it is. It is an absolute dismissal of God and his creation. It's over with. It's all about man's arrogance. What it's all about. Everything else is irrelevant. Well, that's the Zoyama. The Zoyama is where God plays nothing, no role whatsoever in creation. All about us, man, and the greatness of man. You see, you know. And that's my feeling. So the bad news is that we are in the Zoyamah. The good news, well, if we're in the Zoyamah, there's only one way to get rid of the Zoyamah, and that's the third base on English. There's no other way. You know what I'm saying? And the interesting thing about that, and I hold that's one shift is right around the corner, right, is that it's irrevocable. and irre- it's, You can't reverse this because they've constitutionalized this discrimination anti-discrimination. It's part of the Constitution. You can't say, are you crazy? What are you talking about? This is now part of the Constitution, you see. Um, And it's going to get much worse, much worse, and so on.
So that's where we're at. So what I wanted to emphasize very importantly is this whole concept that the only way to destroy the Zayama is by marshalling, right, the Jidusha. But it's the 50th gate of holiness against the 50th gate of evil and darkness and so on. And in the end, that is the end when you really think about that. There is no going back, like I say, because it's part of the constitution and so on. Uh, so it's like, you know, there's good news and there's bad news, and we now see what is going on, you know. And as I said, Mar-a-Lago is nothing more than the barometer, the symbol of this ultimate victory of the drama, what it is, that the, the head of the government, the feds, right, that they can step all over a president and treat him like absolute garbage. And this is a presidency, right? Uh, this is what the contempt that they hold, not just Trump, there's a contempt that they hold of the presidency and, and so on, you know. And they don't seem to realize what they're doing. I'm not even talking about the fact that they are destroying, they have destroyed the credibility of the FBI, the DOJ. Nobody will ever look at the FBI the same, you know. tragedy of that is this is a federal... Uh, agency, and there are a lot of decent people in the FBI. Obviously, not everybody's, but the, these guys at the top, Christopher Ray and uh, all the other, they should go in crazy. No. <coughs> Who? Yeah. 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 He's Jewish. Oh, yeah. Jewish. Yeah, you need the air of Ralph. To help Esau win. There's always Jews. Always Jews. So that's the Erevab. The Erevab is not only in Israel trying to destroy the Torah. The Erevab is also with Esau trying to destroy the good part of Esau, which is Trump. Always that way, you see. So they have destroyed the respect and the authority of the FBI and the DOJ. And I, mean, I forget about Biden. I mean, Biden is complete empty suit, you know, and the fact that America allows this pathetic human being. And I mentioned last week what a Russia he is. Ah, you know, if you remember, remember I mean, he's going crazy because of Uvalde, Texas, that 21 people died. That's tragic, right? But what about the 300 people that die, die every day from fentanyl? What happened to, this is every day, by the way, 140,000 people died last year from fentanyl. But wait a minute. That means the cartels are killing Americans. What's the difference if Americans order? Because they're fools. Because the, because the pills are now in color and all that, whatever, right? Uh, you are allowing a foreign country, right, kill Americans every day, Right? 300 a day, 140,000 a year. How do you do that? Are you crazy? So at least stop the illegal immigration. Just for that alone, you have to stop. Or you have to go and stop the cartels. It's very easy to stop the cartels. Nobody cares. 
Nobody cares. It's boring to see. That's the evil of America. It really is. I feel sorry for America. But the problem is, like they say, you know, on the millstone of God grinds exceedingly low. You ever see a millstone that you push? It grinds exceedingly slow, but exceedingly fine. When it gets to you, you wish you were never born. That's me, this I did. True, God is long-suffering. He doesn't want to do this. You know, he doesn't punish even if you sin a thousand times. doesn't do that. Erech That's what he is. But there is a time when God said, there's enough is enough, and now I execute judgment, justice. And that's when you will crush. That's what you're saying. And if you want to know an example of that, just check out Ukraine. Ukraine is being destroyed as we speak. And the incredible thing is that what's destroying Ukraine is a Jew, Zelensky, who's an absolute moron. But like I said, Putin never threatened sovereignty of Ukraine. He just said, I don't want any missiles. Don't join NATO. So what Zelensky, the hero, should have said, okay, I'm not going to fight the Russian bear like crazy. I'm going to fight an 800-pound gorilla. He said, no, 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 I've got to be a hero. And I hear he's taking pictures from Vogue magazine lately. You know, and they're they look. Because that's really what it's all about. It's all about being a hero and looking good in front of the entire world. And he wiped out uh, the greatest mass emigration ever known in the history of mankind is what's happening in Ukraine. Ten million people, I think, have fled. That's one, 25% of the population of that country. And I'm not even talking about the damage. Forget about the damage. Billions and hundreds of billions. And he wants the West to pay for it. And of course the West is going to pay because they're all idiots. They should have turned to Zelensky and said, are you crazy? So you don't join NATO. And guess who advised them to join NATO? Biden. That nitwit. That moron. He told them, of course. Well, aren't you afraid that Russia's going to get really angry? Right? I mean, right, right. So Biden probably answered, Russia? Who's Russia? <laughs> right? And I mentioned last week something very important. Why is Biden president? Because that's what America deserves. You don't realize something. A country gets the leader it deserves. And we deserve Biden. That's what we deserve. Therefore, we have Biden as the president. You see? Imagine what it is, the level of America, if we deserve Biden. What are they complaining about? Anyway, that's where we're at. We are now in a huge swimming pool called the Zayama. And we're swimming around in that swimming pool. Like I say, the main idea, the main good news is that this cannot go on longer. It can't go on. God will stop it. just takes time, and we don't know why. He decides to wait before he comes down and crushes America, which he can do. He's already doing it, by the way. Why do you think China's growing? China now has a greater military, certainly a navy, than the U.S. Why? Because that's how he's threatening America. He's saying, you want to be a leader 
that wants to threaten my world, guess what? I'm going to take it away from you. You see? I give it to China. And China is a real threat. We're not looking here about a third-rate nation. It's a real threat. The second greatest economy after America. You see? I don't take anything for God to reduce America to nothing, you know? And China should be everything and so on. Of course, you know. Anyway, this is what's happening. And like I say, it's very, it should be very interesting for us to see, you know, what, what happens as a result of this. Okay, yes, question. When you mention marijuana, take the uh, countdown in Hebrew, Mars, bitter. Bitter, yes. Alago, take those letters, alago comes to 40. Alago for A, Lamed is 30. Lamed is 30. Gilom? Which is in the south of Israel, by the way. We know where it is. We uh, know which mountain lies. We know the area of the mountain. Yeah, he had this. He had the south of Israel. Israel. Right, 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 right. So, how will he actually be judged by the Meshikim? How? Yeah, how? What will they do? Well, like in everything else, what do you produce? A. What are you accused of? Right. That's number one. And number two, what's the evidence that you did this? Well, that's all you need for judgment, right? Mm-hmm. What are you accused of? Right. Event, and uh, where's the evidence? This will be done in front of the whole world? Sure. Unless you're you want to know what he's accused of? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you. One of your interesting statistics, what Esau did, remember who Esau is. Esau is Edom. Edom is Rome. Rome is Western civilization. Well, I should say Rome is Christianity. They took over Rome. And Christianity is Western civilization. Wonder what they did is what they did. The historians estimate 2,000 years ago, right? How many, uh, not how many Jews were there? The estimate was close to 10 million Jews. A lot of Jews in 2,000 years ago. Okay? How many Chinese were there? 
They estimate 25 million. We have 10 million Jews versus 25 million Chinese. Okay, that's what they estimate. How many Chinese are there today? 1.4 billion? Yes? Mm -hmm. So how many extra, how many times 25 is that? It's 56 times. Wait a minute, there was 10 million Jews. So 56 times 10 million, 560 million? That means there should be 560 million Jews based on normal propagation, reproduction, right? If they're 25 to to 1.4 billion, we were 10 million, right? Uh, And we should have at least 560 million Jews. Yes? Same thing. More than half million, right? How many Jews are there? 15 million. Yeah, isn't it odd? Do you ask yourself, you mean after four, we go back further than the Chinese, the 4,000 years of Rome. You mean in 4,000 years, all we can muster up was... Right. You mean all we can muster up is uh, 15 million Jews? That's absurd. The Jews are the oldest race in antiquity that's still alive. And all we have is 15 million Jews? So then the question becomes obvious. What happened? There you are. Well, you had uh, pogroms, inquisition, expulsions, crusades, holocaust, etc. All the slaughter. Then today, of course, you know, but today anyway, well, what do we have? 50 million Jews. Today, what do we have? We have intermarriage, assimilation. That's what did it. What killed the Jews is the Goyim, the Christians. Therefore, they killed, no, not even intermarriage. No, there was no intermarriage years ago. Uh, intermarriage is a 21st century phenomenon, right? What killed the Jews then were the Christians. That was basically all the anti-Semitism. And it wasn't so much the Muslims. All they wanted was that uh, you should recognize that they are the supreme. You know, it's the Christians. They just wanted you to convert to Islam. Well, it's, no, no, no. They wanted you to convert to Islam. Or leave the country. One or the other. What they want to do was to submit that they are the superior race. Muslims are not into conversion. Christians are, and I want to explain why. But anyway, so therefore it's astounding. Imagine 400, there are 15, so if it should have been 516 million, right? And so that means there are 545 million Jews missing. Could you imagine how shamy shoes they would have been? Right? Unbelievable. I mean, yeah. Shivas and the shoes, where are they? That's the slaughter 2,000 years. And that's literally the science stuff. Is there a purpose to that? Like, to keep the Jewish population so small? Or is that just because of the evil? No. Keep the Jews coming back to do the deacon. You know? So God has to constantly erase them so they can have a new start. And so many Jews, whatever, saying, the truth is we don't really know why. But whatever it is, we recognize that the Christians have butchered at least over one half billion Jews. So we wonder, well, what are they going to be judged? 
second, God is going to say, or the machine, machine is going to say, you know, this is the accusation. You butchered, slaughtered, butchered, right? 540 million people that should have been born or whatever over the centuries and so on. And they're all gone. There's nobody left, you know? Yeah, even the Christians know your blood cry out. Yeah. So we know yeah. it's not blood. It's blood. Oh. I'll tell you something interesting. As an aside, in the year 2000, the millennium, right, the Christians were worried. Why? Because you, if you look at the New Testament, which is obviously what you look at, well, if you look at the New Testament, right, you'll see that he said, Yeshua said, verily, you will see the kingdom of God. He said to them, that uh, kingdom of heaven is, co- is going to come in your time. And they know that. The problem is, though, there's supposed to be a second coming, whatever. Yeah. He never came back. So they don't understand. It's 2,000 years since he lived. Right? Where is this guy? Where is he? Right? And it was coming up to the millennium, right? And they were nervous. Because for 2,000 years, he still hasn't come. And of course, he hasn't come now. Right? So they don't understand, where is he? Why didn't he come? Where's the second coming? Right? So therefore, if you remember, the Pope, I think it was in the year 1999, I forgot which Pope it was, but Pope went to the Kaisal. Remember that? Yes. And he put a crystal in the Kaisal. Mm-hmm. Why? I forgot which Pope was it. Which Pope was it? I forgot which one. Yeah. What? Yes, Benedict. Oh, Benedict. Yeah, Benedictus. The good, the good part. But anyway, I want to. So what happened? Why did he go? That pope doesn't go to the cathedral. That's an admission. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because he had the same concern. Where is this guy? Where's the second coming? Right. So he figured that's. I know why he doesn't come. Because we overdid it. We killed too many Jews. And they know that the Jews are the children of God. I mean, I says that in the Torah. How many times you are my, you are my nation? I mean, a thousand times. Yeah. It, okay, that wouldn't bother them so much, but so they felt that they overdid it. Wait, 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 wait. So that's why, that's why he went to the Kaiser. That if I overdid it, and that's why you're not coming, Tutsi or BC or Tutsi, right? No. Yeah. No. It, it, he. He needs a kapora. So you know what I said? I, I gave a Hoshia then. It was 22 years ago, right? I gave a Hoshia and I explained why he's coming all of a sudden to the Kaiso at the millennium. Because he's doing his Khatosi Yavisi Pushati, right? It's some kippah for him, right? And he's, he's hedging his bet. If you didn't come, but if you didn't come because we overdid it, forgive us for killing 540 million people. Yeah. Which you is know? So I, I added to that. I added to that. I said, wait a minute. You know, why hasn't he come? You know, that's not why he didn't come. Why hasn't he come? They're wondering, where is he? Why didn't he come? And I answered the question. You know why he hasn't come? Because he's dead. <laughs> Rather obvious. Except they don't realize, they don't recognize that he's dead. 
because he's part of the kingdom of heaven of all that, right? But he's dead. The whole thing is a fabrication. He's not going to come back. What does he think? He's the boss? And so on, you see? But anyway, it's interesting that even they are nervous because it doesn't make sense based on their religion why he hasn't come. See? But it's anyway. protecting us now, protecting Israel, which is the step of a Yeah, well, part of the problem, because it says in the New Testament, I will not come back until all of you recognize me. So they have to get the Jews to recognize. And also, he said, I will not come back. They're believing that. They're called the Christian fundamentalists. Yeah. Okay, they said, and they realize now that Hashem is saying, I will not come back until you uh, recognize that Israel has to go back and live in Israel. The Jews have to be in Israel. That's part of That's, what they think. So now they're opening the door, go to Israel, we're collecting money for Israel, thinking Jesus will come and show us all that he was the real Messiah. Right. That's so go you, ahead. Right, and it's unheard of. But it's a question of, so, but the problem is that, okay, so Israel, where the Jews belong, whatever, but the, the, the notion and the belief in Israel is not exactly pro-God either, and, and like the institutions, and like we were talking about the pride parades and everything, it's like, so... Is it just because now is the time for it to be coming back to Jews, even though Jews aren't doing the mitzvah and the... No, but they're not editing. So then that Jews are not editing. Yeah, but... I want like to I'm explain... Saying, there's always a time where I want, Jews and, and I, non-practicing Jews or whatever. I, uh, Why is now the time? Okay, I want... Or is it just part of, I'll, of the course? I want to explain that. I'll repeat it. Way by the way, yeah, whatever, you know. If a, let's say New York City needs engineers, right? So obviously they want to make sure you know your stuff. So they give an exam, right? So they announce we need engineers, city engineers, give an exam, and people please come and take it, whatever, right? People come and take it, and the average mark, let's assume, is a 70. It's not good. You don't want guys with an average mark of 70 as an engineer for a city, right? It's a lot of building collapses, right? But what do you do? You can't hire these guys. So what you do is some guy comes up with a bright idea. You know what we're going to do? We will make the passing grade 50, right? It's usually more, more, more that, usually is what happens, right? And then you make it 50 and more people get in. Right? But still not enough because the average mark is 40. So what you do is you lower it to 40. In other words, what you do is you keep lowering the bar but it's not working. When the Varsham looks at Kaiso, right? There was a study done in London and that study estimated there are 15.1 million Jews. How many Haredim are there? doesn't mean Haredi party. It means Torah observant. 15.1 million. That's it. I don't know how they arrived at that. That means 13 million Jews are gone. So how's the Russian going to bring them in? And we know that they have to retain something. In Egypt, they didn't change their name, their dress, their language. So that's what made them Jews. And the source, the reason why they got out, 
wasn't because of those. That's what gave them the identity of Jew. What got them out was no Russian horror. So I'm not going to go into it. The Chazal tells but they didn't speak Russian horror, so that's why they got out of Egypt, which is an astounding concept. And anyway, so the problem is, but even in Egypt, you needed a minimum. You're not identifying what you got to go in, right? So the question is, what's the minimum in this generation where basically everybody's gone, almost everybody's gone, right? And the answer is, well, how do you feel about being Jewish? Forget about the mitzvahs. God is lowering the bar. So as long as you just identify as being... Right. Yes. Now, of course, you're not going to get the same William Abba as the other one right. who does the mitzvah. But you have identified as a Jew. Yes. Oh, you see? He's proud of being a Jew. Oh, that's enough. Oh, or he says, yeah, the state of Israel, the Jewish country, I'm proud of... That's enough. So God has substantially lowered the bar. Just because it's time for... <coughs> because... <laughs> <laughs> because if you don't know the bar, they're not getting in. 80% are not getting in. What do you do with these guys? Same thing with the engineer. If you don't know the bar, there's no engineers. And even if they're, they're so not they good. <laughs> okay, but at least you have some. But not everybody's bad. I mean, you know. Or else you have nobody. I mean, you can't you have nobody, right? So whatever. So you take measures to correct the solution. So God is lowering the bar. Very important concept, you see. Just like he did in Egypt, lower the bar, right? You I mean all you need to do is not change your name, your language, and your dress. That's it. Not much. Although you know today it would be, but you know, yeah. So that enables you to identify as a Jew, and as a result of that, in a way we're we when you're saying in the religious hierarchy, they found two million Arabs from the around the world. How many went out really out of Egypt? Okay, 600,000 men, three million. It's close to the same number. When we started at zero points with Moshe Rabbeinu leading you yeah. in Israel. Can not, you not, what did we learn now in the last not really. 4,000 years? How did we advance? Wait, not really. This is the difference. Because in Egypt, you had many good doilem. You had the shvatim. You had a lot of righteous people. Right? The whole shevet lady. A lot of people. So you had a lot of tzaddikim. Right? So if they were were not going to be observant, bad news. Because you have so many ways of elevating yourself. Today, do you ever look around? Who's left? So you really can't blame, in many ways, a great deal of the Jews today are honest. Honest, uh, anusim, uh, honest means they're compelled, they're, uh, what's not the word, accident. Innocent? Innocent, or it's, uh, they're compelled to be, there's no, there's no way to look at it anymore. Nothing. Well, uh, yeah, and, and not only that, the part of the problem is also, we live in an incredibly open society, which is unbelievably distracting. You don't have any idea what it is. You, we, you, you, we all know we live in America. In America, you have, abs- you have access to every tumor imaginable. Anything. You know, you want television, you want internet, you want pornographic material on the internet, which is, by the way, why 50% of people are on the internet altogether with the porn- por- pornography. You don't realize that. And you have that, you have music. How much time music takes up in your life? 
Guys has albums of 50 million records. Actually, I said, are you crazy? What are you going to listen to 50 million records? What do you know? And not only that, you have Netflix. You have any idea what goes on today? You can go in a room and sit there for the rest of your life, never walk out, and have somebody else order in. Right? Right. Come on. This isn't a, this isn't a distraction. This is an immersion. Right? You're immersed in tumor. I mean, you're immersed in even if you don't want to call it tumor. Yeah, it's an addiction. It's it's an unbelievable uh, what do you call it? Alternative lifestyle. You see, literally, yeah. Today, of course, you're why a couple of grand. You get yourself a nine foot screen, right? You know, get yourself a room, the entertainment room, nine foot screen, and you're glued all day to every TV show, movie, uh, you know, uh, musical, I mean, whatever that it was ever made. It would take you a hundred lifetimes to go through them, right? Then you wonder, is there any room left for some Torah? No, I'm saying not even, just in general. What happened to the days where Grandma sat and showed you how to do the kid breads, how to do the rolls, how to do the bread, how to do this? Well, now she will. She's on Netflix. Because now all she has to do is point to your ways and say, here's how you get to the store. So therefore, as a result of that, we live in an unbelievable environment. I mean, it, 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 we, we can't believe, you know, the environment we live in is so conducive to absolutely doing nothing, you know. And I, I feel sorry for people. So how do you do that? How do you do that? COVID. Well, anything that also dives you into it. It's it, 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 the way, you know. Yeah, there are ways, but for that, you have to have a change of consciousness. The problem today is, well, look, if you do not learn Hashkofa, in many ways, you finish. Because we are attacked by so so many foreign ideologies. Everybody out there saying, I got the way, look at me. Right? You name it, and everybody's got a shita about the way of life. So who do you believe? What do you believe? So the only way to guard yourself against that is hashkafa. You need to learn. What, I, that, what do you think the purpose of this year is? You notice I don't give sermons. No, I'm not a sermon guy. Right? Why am I not a sermon guy? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you a very important secret that most people realize. Why is it that um, why is it you hear a Shia, a Muslim Shia, or, you know, a be good Shia, or whatever, right? And one day it goes in, and the next day it's gone. You ever notice that? Why is that? And I will tell you. And here's the mistake people make. If you want to change a person, do not inspire him. You don't get changed. You don't change because all of a sudden you got inspired by a story. Today, it's all stories. You ever notice? You don't have a story to say. You don't have nothing to say. 
basically, right? You need a story to depend on to deliver the message. I don't, I'm not a story guy, you notice? No stories. Yet everybody's fascinated. Why? Because I present ideas, incredible different ideas that are startling. You see? That's much harder work on my part. You don't realize how much work that is. got to produce, you know, a shear that's going to hold you and grip you for two hours. You don't realize what kind of a challenge that is. But everybody else, check out a storybook, right? Of this God, that God. Now, it's nice in a certain sense, but it's all stories. Uh, and it goes in one year, the next day it's gone. Why? Because to change behavior, a story won't do it. An inspiration won't do it. So then what will? The only way I can change you is to alter your beliefs, not inspire. That's the secret. Only if I change your belief system will you change. Because we are always consistent with what we believe and how we behave. That's the secret to change human behavior. The greatest way to change or to change your belief is to give a sheer of reality and connect all the dots so convincingly that you say, wait a minute, this must be true. You don't realize how powerful that is. When you hear interconnected ideas, when you hear interconnected ideas that are what's called internally consistent, your belief changes. This has to be true. And the human mind always searches for its belief. Well, what do I really believe reality is? And then you begin to change in that direction. It's, it's a very interesting phenomenon. I discovered that many, many years ago. And that's why my shear is not about stories. It's not about inspiration because of what somebody else did. It's about truth, reality. And the way I convince you is by connecting so many dots that you say to yourself, this has to be true. And that's all I have to do. Once I've connected the dots for you, and unconsciously you grab it, you see, you will begin to change. It's a very interesting phenomenon. It is the secret, really, of the power of my shuram. That's why I meet people, and they remember what I said 15 years ago. I go, wow, who remembers anything 15 years ago? Good thing you remember who your spouse is 15 years ago, <laughs> right? And so on. And the answer is because I've altered their framework of reality. That's what a belief is. A belief is where I have a view of what reality is. But what happens if I alter that? Guess what? It stays that way until you die. You don't realize how powerful a belief is. Uh, you see? That's why I don't give much to schmoozing, right? I don't talk stories. Yeah, I remember I once talked about a story George Washington, which was very powerful. I remember that, you know. But other than that, I hardly ever. Yet, for some reason, I'm able to grip people at a certain level because I changed their belief system. You see, uh, that's why. And I'll tell you another idea, which is very interesting. You ever notice you walk into a Jewish bookstore, right? And it's all stories. It's like the whole front table is storybooks. You know, Mother Goose, 
you know, or, or uh, whatever, you know, the grim fairy tales. Uh, yeah, I'm joking around, but, uh, you know, why are we into stories? And what I'm saying is the secret of why stories don't work. You know why? Because in the old days, the mitzvah, what God wanted, <clears throat> was asetoiv, do good. And asetoiv is what? You have to learn Torah, you have to grow in Torah, grow in ideas, etc. But today, the mitzvah, forget about asetoiv. What toiv? Because of all the distractions and the tumor and so on, right? Today, it's That's the job. Whatever you do, don't fall. Don't sink. Forget about swimming. Stay put. Don't drown. That's the mitzvah today. So think about that. In order to stay tumera, right, you don't have to learn new ideas. You just have to be inspired and you'll stay afloat. So therefore what the Basham did is he made sure that this generation which needs tumera, right, what they need, forget about ideas and depth and ashkofa and all this. No, no, no. What they need is a couple of good stories. You know, that's why... So, it, it, anyway, so that's why what the Bosham did is he put into the minds of men or Jews, whatever, I need a good story. Because the main thrust of the Avrida today is don't fall into the evil. And therefore you need to be inspired. You see? Interesting concept, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now you know why. Yeah, yeah, you need both. But today there's an unbelievable preponderance of stories. I mean, I walk into a bookstore and I say, wow. You know, it's like a... It's all stories. They're, they're, they're nice stories. You, you ever see, as soon as a girl dies, it takes about two months and then a book comes then out. Comes out. Yes. Of course, about the life and times of, etc. Right? Why? You know? It's more than that because you need inspiration not to sink. Forget about Ashkofa. That will advance you. You see? But that's not really the avoider except for a few people. I say to it. It's really so mirage. And therefore the proper or the way to connect to that is by stories. And God has arranged that everybody's into stories. I sometimes look at these guys and say, I can't believe, how do you guys come up with this stuff? <laughs> story after story, it's like it's endless. What do you guys, I, I really have to admire the guys. I've never seen such an unbelievable proliferation of stories. Like, how do you guys find this stuff? You know, it was 50 years ago, they didn't know this stuff. Yeah, these kind of stories. Yeah, yeah, it's always some Gideon stories, some Hasidic Rebbe stories, whatever. But today, every nuance is recorded and so on. That's it. Because we need stories in this generation. My kind of guy or my kind of philosophy is not stories. It's to change your life. And I do that with Hashkafa. So the answer to your question what do you do? You need to get back to Hashkafa. You need to teach what is, what is reality? Who is God? What does he really want? 
Why Ramchal? Okay. <laughs> That's why I'm into Ramchal 55 years. So I've made that a, a lifetime, you know, a pursuit and so on. Uh, but what's interesting, I find, is guess what? If you hear only a couple of stories, you get tired, don't you? Come on, how many stories can a guy hear, right? But I find people into Ramchal, they don't get tired. They're fascinated. Yeah, they may get tired listening, but not because they get tired or bored of the same idea, you see. Because Hashkofa is fascinating if it is taught in the right way. Or you could teach Hashkofa as a sermon. Ramchal is more the, the common sense. More. Is that what you're saying? That it's not the inspiration. Mm-hmm. No, Ramosha Chaim Lutzato is the architectural plans of creation. And he speaks in common sense what people can Yeah, of yeah. course. Oh, cool. okay. yeah. so I think it's fascinating that you just, the way you laid out that word, and when you were describing it, how it's kind of like, you, you know, people can be whatever they want to be. The gender, whatever, what pronoun. Thinking how that plays out. You're telling us now, and a holiday that's coming up soon in America is like maybe the 50th gate has a holiday. Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, because we'll take your kids. They take your, their kids to a store, and they're like, "What do you want? Do you want to be a queen? Or be a, you know, zebra? Like, what do you want to be?" And then you look at it. Halloween is about one of the most emptiest days you've ever seen. But, but they have Rachmanus and Goyim, because they have nothing. Well, what, what holiday do they have? Even their Christmas is all about commercial. There's nothing there. So they're desperate for anything. So therefore, oh, Halloween. You know Halloween really was? It's, it's like, oh, I think oh, all Saints Day. It's really all about demons. It's all about demons and witches and the goblins and you know all the other so uh, I have a question. So sure. going back to Ramchal, um, in Mishkan Elyon, when he talks about the Beit Hamikdash, yes. When you said that the Beit Hamikdash is going to come down physically, is that through the Sefirot? How does it become physical if it's a spiritual entity? Well, it's like anything else, the Zikuch. But it's like anything else, devotion, if you want, what he does is he, he can diminish the output of the spheres and it becomes physical. Uh-huh. If he increases the output, then it becomes spiritual. And that's ultimately how he changes by increasing the output of the spheres. But he can also reverse the process, right? right. The second way of making it physical is by adding Zoyama. Sprinkling the Zoya marks. The best thing How you become physical. How is it going to become physical if it's a spiritual entity? Yeah, so either you... Zohama. The satanic uh, influence and so on, you know? Uh, but that's how you can do it. You can do it. So, so he just, like, dims it down, so to speak. The energies of those right. Zohama. And that's how they become physicalized. Right, and that's the first real connection. Because the real journey... You go from physical to more spiritual, more spiritual, more spiritual, until you get to Ilam Habo. So where does it start? Where does the beginning of the transformation of to spirituality begin? Is it 
Is that how a child is born? Through dimming down Sephiroth and making him physical? Actually, what you're saying is really very interesting. I, want, I think I said it here. What's the key concept of development in a human? Remember that? Yeah. What's maturity? What is maturity? Remember that? Mm-hmm. The, the, the key concept of development is consciousness, cognition. There's a difference between a one-day-old infant and a 90-year-old man. Some of you still there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's consciousness. Moifen. Remember, you the word moifen, brains. Kabbalistically, that's where you, where you grow. You, you start from infant, you come I'm talking about from the stomach to actual physical coming out. Is that dimming down the sephirah in order to produce the well, what, uh, No, you know, no that, not that, because everything that the baby is, ultimately, you manufacture. All from you, right? Right. The, the, the spirituality is added to that. But it's, it's not, nothing spiritual becomes physical, right? The body makes, its, the, body makes the embryo, which is beyond belief. Yeah. It makes the embryo, it takes all the parts, right? It's astounding what it does. I mean, it starts off with what? Two cells and bare mold. And then the body grows by assimilating protoplasm. It's a physical uh, function, but the, the uh, amazing thing is it's able to make an infant from nothing. It, 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 nobody on the, the two, I believe, there are many great miracles, but the, the two greatest miracles I've ever seen, I mean, I've seen, you know, is uh, how in the world do two cells become a human body. It's, be, it's not, it is something beyond you can what you ever imagine. Because we're talking about a hundred trillion cells functioning, functioning. And the second greatest miracle uh, is not just the development of the embryo. It's, it, no, uh, well, that's part of the embryo. The second incredible miracle is how in the world does a two-year-old speak? How in the world does he figure? I can't even figure out what he's talking about here. And I know English, right? And he figures out English. And, and then he uses sentences. How in the world does he do it? He doesn't even know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, does the kid say, wait a minute, what did she mean by this word? He doesn't say that. Somehow he, oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. And then after a while, he gets it, and he learns actually what's called syntax. He can put it in the right sequence into a sentence. He learns the concept of words. The concept, well, the, he learns the concept of sound represents things. It's unheard of. That's what language is, where you recognize that a sound represents something, a meaning. So he figures out a word, then he figures out a phrase, then he figures out a sentence, you know? And then, then before, no, before you know it, the kind of kid doesn't shut up. Mm. <laughs> right? Uh, how? Nobody's sitting there and saying, okay, this is a bottle or can. Nobody said that to him. He walks over, I remember, I, I, you know, I have a granddaughter, she was three years old, she didn't speak much, you know, so uh, we had her over, so one day she comes over to me, and she belts out a whole sentence. I, I say, excuse me, what? 
How did you get the sentence? You know, what what method of madness overcame you to be able to say a whole sentence? Unbelievable. That's an, you don't really the nest. Yeah, of course it's the brain doing what. Come on, who cares? You know, evolution can't do this. In a billion years, they couldn't make a kid that knows language, you know? Yet every kid, and we know why, because if you don't talk, you're not human. I mean, yeah, that's the end of uh, interconnectedness. But the Rebosham gave the ability of a two-year-old kid, a one-year-old kid, not to babble. Like two years old, they have phrases. How? Then there's no instruction here. You can't mossy the mirror, if you think about that, what a miracle that is, you know? So, Robert, going back to the Beit HaMikdash, you said that that's going to come down first, and then Mashiach ben Yosef is going to happen second. No, it, no, but, no, but Mashiach ben Yosef probably will come first. He, he has the Pekidah first. Yes. And then the Beit HaMikdash comes down. Right. And then his announcement comes out. Meaning well, he'll his, be more he'll be more known, well known? Yes. He's gonna grow. Yeah. So he he needs the Bethany down in order for him to Or else he doesn't have the Shepherd. Or else he has no Right. So what in the time period between the Picky Dot and the and the Bethany Dash coming down, what's this, like what what's gonna happen? His, what is what's gonna happen is his growth. And in the world? Evil. Evil rises. Zemo rises. Wow. Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago. So you think that he could have had the picky die already if we're seeing so much evil in the world now? You know, <clears throat> just if I had to intuit yeah. where he's at, I would say he's he's probably knows who he is without being told, although he has to be told. Doesn't work By God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, there's a lot of guys walking around think they're <laughs> they do. No. Uh, so he, he, he already has a very good guess for what's happening, which means that he's enough out of the creeper or his consciousness has been released where he's aware. Uh, but it hasn't happened yet. But because the Zoyama is growing by leaps and bounds, like I said, my feeling is we are actually in the Zoyama not the 49th level. And the only thing that can counteract that is the 50th level of Yusha, which is the Messianic light, or the beginnings of it. That's where we're at. We're like at, at the tipping point. So when you were talking about the telomere, That's my, uh, how, how, yeah. how the telomere of a chromosome is the uh, Yes. Okay. That's the physical manifestation of the So zohana. when you get sick, does that mean that your body has more zohama in it? Uh, no. It ha- you, we all have zohama at a certain level, and that's all. So sickness doesn't uh, tell you anything? No. It's not a parameter, so to speak, of your zohama? No. Zohama is fixed. It's fixed. Even though zohama does cause illnesses and age and all that thing. Well, chet does, because it blocks all shefa of spheres, and that's what makes you sick. Right. It's a sin that makes you sick. Got it. So when the when when the telomere does um, break off from the chromosome, how long oh. does it take to unravel? 
Is that the 30 days when the soul gives you that? You know, sometimes they say 30 days before the soul leaves the earth. It gives you that. It gives signs. You, you know what I'm talking about? Before but someone, no, no, but it's not. That's not I mean, I have a connection. That's my question. It's not the telomere that the Vinishoma feels its exit. You feel you're about to exit. Somehow the soul knows when it's about to exit. It doesn't say it. No. It's an intuition. Feeling. And that's why people say, you know, I'm about to go. They somehow know. Uh, without knowing why they know, they know. That's why a lot of people can predict their death, you know. It's, and that's the neshama. Soul knows when it's going to exit, you know. So now let's say Elul, Elul is, we're in Elul. We're in the month, God willing, of repentance and coming close to Tashem. Right. So let's end off on what should we do? How should we go about this month to make it the most? Well, I, I once said, I said uh, several times already, the most important thing you can do, as I said, Moshe Rabbeinu, when there was a Heto Ego in the Golden Calf, notice Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say, well, who are those people that are sorry they did the Ego? didn't say that. He said, Mila Hashem, who is to God, a lie, come to me. Excuse me, what's that to do with the Heto Ego? Never mentioned the word. Never mentioned the fact that he did a head, right? What was he concerned with? Wasn't I mean, of course, it's concerning that they did the sin, which was really terrible and so on. But his concern is, where are you standing now? Where are you now? Are you still part of the team? You slipped. Fine. But are you still part of the team? Or did you decide, well, maybe I'll uh, switch over to the other side? That was his concern. Uh, and I once mentioned the Rebbe Rom ben, ben, uh, ben David, what's called the Baplut of the Rambam, the one who argues with the Rambam, that one, because there are three rivals. Anyway, so he said, he said, what God is most concerned about is not an individual sin. And that will be repaired, and that's the end of it, you know. God is really concerned about where are you in the effort to bring him back. Mil Hashem, who is to God? Are you part of the club? You still part of the, 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 you know, part of the team? Yes or no? That's what he's concerned about. So as long as you can say, you know, I slip, I slide, I, you know, but I, I'm still part of, what do they call it, team A or something like that? Whatever, yeah. I'm still part of the team, you know? And I'm going to try whatever I can. Don't leave me out. I'm still with you, right? I still got my membership uh, signed. I'm part of the. I still registered. In, in, I went to the wrong party, but I really still here. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, that's what he wants. Why? Because as long as you see yourself as part of his team, you will make it. The danger is when you think already. Ah, what do I need it for? hard, the world looks so attractive, there's such, there's so much stuff going on, and I'm missing it all out, that's the danger part. Do you know anything about, like, Harsinai, where really it is, what country, and where um, Midian, 
and all what happened to Ego, because word is that it was in Saudi Arabia all this time. Is that true or is the word that's out? And they have proof, all right? You know Showing what? the heart Sinai and everything. No. Oh, not sure. okay. No, no, no. I'm saying we we won't know where Harsinai is until the end. Why? Because what happened on Harsinai never happened before. God revealed His presence in terms of the messianic light. Therefore, the whole mountain has to be hidden. And what? Hidden. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that mountain still retains. That, right. That never left. Just like the Beit HaMikdash. It's still holy. That's why you can't go there and, you know, and so on. Uh, you know, because once God enters that place with that type of presence, I mean, it was all unbelievable. You know, the mountain thundered and all that, and everybody, was, everybody died because God spoke to every Jew. It's beyond belief what they experienced, which we do not know, you know. That is permanent. So, if you find a mountain, and you're walking up that mountain, you can die. I don't know if you'll die, but you're going to get shaken up. You, know, you won't know what hit you. You're going to say to yourself, why am I experiencing this? But what is happening to me? You see? Because that Kedusha, it's called the Rishimoi. Rishimoi means the Roshim, the uh, impression. When God enters a place, and He leaves, he doesn't leave. He leaves over a Roshim, an impression. You see? So the original power is gone. But there's a Rishima. And that Rishima can knock you out. Uh, so imagine if you find a mountain and you're walking up that mountain and you're feeling this. The, what, what is going on here, you know? Then you probably, you have found our Sinai. But God doesn't want people to find our Sinai. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I mean, of course, the Arabs, the Arabs go crazy. I mean, that is a Hamusa, you know, a mountain of Moses that go out of their mind. You know, uh, yeah, that's the... Jebel Musa, they call it. Jebel Musa, Musa, yeah. Meaning the mountains of Musa. <coughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So therefore, you know, I, I don't believe we'll ever need to know until the end when it's okay. And then we will, you know, obviously... Uh, venerate that mountain. So that's what I mean. When you get up in the morning to say to yourself, I'm part of the team. That's all you need is a designation. You don't need more. But you need a reminder. You need a, what's called a, uh, what's the word for it? Dedication. I'm still part of the team. Whatever I can do to advance the team, I will try to do. You know, that's it. The most important thing you can do. Because once you abandon the team, you've been abandoned. Oh, yeah. That's all. That's all. People do not realize what the essential. Yeah. But those that didn't go with Moshe, the earth opened up and ate them up. When he said, "Are you coming with me, or are you not? Are you, who are you with?" Mm-hmm. And those who went towards Moshe got saved. They didn't know those that didn't go. 
the people didn't go. They stood in their ground. Very good, Korah and the rest of them. Right. Okay? Right. The earth opened up and swallowed them. Right. And they weren't two, three people. They were a good no. couple of thousand. Yeah. This, no. Then they really, I mean, the, the, they, they believed in Hashem and his servant Yeah. Well, you know why God was very serious with them? What? Why did he, why, that's a very strange way of dying. The earth actually follows you and swallows you up. Why? Because you came from earth, you're going to go back to it. No, no, yeah, no. What Because what Korach attempted to do, he didn't deny Moshe got the Torah from God, but he said not all of it is from God. Some of it's from your own ideas. So what he did, therefore, right, is he destroyed the authenticity of the Torah. Because, hmm, maybe this is from Moshe, not from God. What do I have to observe it for? So he destroyed the authority of the Torah because it has to be all from God. Not any, you know, like Moshe Rabbeinu says, you know, I have to prove to you that not really be from my heart. So what he did is he attacked the very authority of the Torah, right? So... That's the ground that Judaism stands on, is that the Torah was written by God. So therefore God said, you want to attack the ground basis of my religion, the ground will eat you up. Mida connected Mida. The ground will destroy you. Because you're attacking the ground that's called the basis, foundation of the whole Judaism, that the whole thing was given, given by God. Because if not, you know what the for well, God gave this, but he didn't really give this. It's my sharp you know, He dreamt it up on his own, you know, this kind of stuff. Aaron, God didn't make Aaron. The Moshevain started to give a, you know, what do you call that when you give a... Nepotism. Nepotism, yeah. You know? That's the end of the Torah. You know? So God said, do you want to do that? You know, I'll end, I'll end it for you and finish, you know?